Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, Columbus is the largest city in the country without any form of rail service. That might not be changing anytime soon, but plans are coming together for an alternative by way of the Link Us Columbus initiative, Bus Rapid Transit. In today's episode, Josh Lapp of Transit Columbus talks about that plan, how to convince people that we need transit, and what Amtrak service in Columbus may look like in the future. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, the Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here virtually with the chair of Transit Columbus, Josh Lapp. Josh, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. We are talking about transit today, talking about uh, transit in Columbus, the needs that are there, and what initiatives are coming into place in order to fulfill those needs. First of all, talk about Transit Columbus and its background. Yeah, that's that's a good, a good question. I'm glad that you brought that up because I feel like a lot of folks um, hear about us and they're like, what is this organization? Where did it come from? What's mm-hmm. your backstory? So the organization actually grew out of a group of folks that have been working on these issues for a really long time. They were called A Thousand Friends of Columbus, of Central Ohio. Okay. Uh, this, this was back you know, in the early 2000s and really about smart growth. So that kind of faded away. And a lot of those same folks wanted to really focus more on transit because that is really the key piece that was missing in Columbus. So around 2010, after uh, I don't want to go through all the sad things that happened in terms of transit and trains and a lot of things mm. we're still trying to address today. Uh, there was really this feeling that there was a need for a transit advocacy group. So that group reconstituted into Transit Columbus. Lots of folks, um, you know, that are uh, well known around the community in these spaces. Uh, Chris Herman, Mark Conti, a bunch of other folks were really involved in in this kind of advocacy work uh, mm-hmm. in in th- that decade. And since then, has really just grown. I think to grown and flourished more, brought in a lot more um, individuals that are out in the community and really just want to be involved. So we've done all kinds of events over the years. We've, um, you know, really advocated for different things over the years. But transit is a really big, a big thing, right? It's a billions Mm -hmm. of dollars. It's a lot of time. So we've also focused on doing smaller scale things because it's really hard to get those big things happening. That takes many years. Mm-hmm. We do placemaking initiatives. We've done, um, you know, some different things like we help out with Alley Islands uh, over in the Discovery District. So we, we do small scale stuff, but we've really been focusing on the last few years in trying to get these big things to happen um, that I think we're now seeing the fruit of, which I'm sure we'll talk about more. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of the 
occasion for us talking today is the the link us initiative that's the steering committee has been meeting uh can you talk about the origins of that initiative yeah so i've sat through enough presentations and including <laughs> some of the things that they're giving background information on so there's been a lot of efforts over the last you know five years five or more mm -hmm. um from coda and from the city to really uh figure out how we're going to address transit holistically. Mm -hmm. So Coda did a next gen plan. Coda did a transit system redesign where they redesigned uh, all their routes mm -hmm. um, and really focused service. Uh, and so I think this link us was a natural outgrowth of that. Um, and a lot of folks that are in those organizations working really, really came together and said, we need to do something much more comprehensive. Mm -hmm. uh, so we need to figure out how we're comprehensively going to address address um, you know transit and density and urban design and cycling infrastructure and pedestrian infrastructure and all these things. And that's really how Link Us came about. And and one of the other things is the the Morpsy um, studies that were done over the years. Uh, and there was a ultimately a corridors concept study that was done. Um, time escapes me, I think 2018 is when that came out. Okay. And really talked about focusing development on corridors, but not the transit piece of it. Uh, and now we're looking at this link us as this large scale initiative that's going to help us solve our mobility issues and our housing issues and our, you know, lack of walkable neighborhoods issues mm -hmm. and really looking at it comprehensively. So, so that's, that's what link us is. Okay without getting into the specifics, which we can do. Well, t I mean, tell me about the specifics of okay. like, this is an initiative that is a group of people, but it's the city has a buy-in here. Well, the Ohio Regional Planning Commission has a buy-in here. And then CODA as sort of like the three pillars. Correct me yes. if I'm wrong here. Yeah, no, yeah, you're you're right on. They are leading it. They are, this. Okay. It, it is an initiative of the city Coda and Morpsy. So it is actually those entities leading this. Um, they all have done so, you know, you can go to link us, I think it's link us um, mm. And it really shows you the information on what they have been doing. So there have been um, two large scale corridor studies taking place as part of the link us initiative. And what that means is they're looking at the east west corridor. So this um, uh, includes East Main Street, East Broad Street, and West Broad Street. So looking at how mm -hmm. do we implement high capacity transit in those corridors? Um, and how do we look at, you know, the zoning and how do we look at uh, bike connectivity and pedestrian connectivity in that corridor? So that is a study that has already, you know, it, it's more than underway. They've they've already made their preliminary findings, which you can s search on the website there. Mm -hmm. um, and that has really decided that we're going to build a BRT line. Um, okay. Actually, we're going to build several as and part of that initiative. We're forgive on East me. Main Street. Give me the acronym. Uh, BRT. Yeah. Sorry, I'm an urban planner. Yeah, so no, it's fine. It's I fine. love the acronyms. BRT is an acronym for bus rapid transit. Okay. So this is this originated really in um, South America as a concept where you're providing um, like rail quality infrastructure with buses. Okay. So it's more affordable to implement. It's quicker to implement, but you're dedicating right of way on the street. So you have separate lanes okay. for buses. 
you have stations. So you're it it should feel like you're riding a train, but you're on a bus. Okay. Um, but all the so you're you're getting really great service, um, really frequent. And um, actually, one of the best examples in the country of BRT is in Cleveland. Okay. So in Cleveland, they have the health line that runs on Euclid Avenue. Okay. And it has dedicated right of way. You board at stations. It has all the amenities of rail without the rail. Gotcha. Um, and I will say here, because a lot of people will question this, you know, we we were pushing for light rail. Okay. We would love to see it. But I don't think that this... So the BRT is not... Um, Rail would be great, but BRT is also really good and hopefully more affordable and will be allowed, will allow Columbus to build a larger system and more quickly. So BRT has been determined by all these studies um, to be the optimal mode to build on East Main Street uh, and West Broad Street first. Okay. And then also in the, you know, near future, hopefully on um, East Broad Street as well as part of the East-West Corridor Study. There's also a Northwest okay. Corridor Study um, that also is recommending building a BRT line that would run essentially from downtown up Olentangy River Road Corridor okay, and then um, eventually over to uh, Bridge Street in Dublin. Got it. So, so we have the makings with these uh, studies and they're they're not just like, hey, here's an idea. These are What's it going to look like? Where are the stations going to go? What? Mm-hmm. So all the real details around this have been um, worked out. They're in, still in the early design phases, but they are designing the system. And that's really what we're looking at. So they've identified as part of Link Us, you know, these these uh, three corridors that we're talking that I've already mentioned mm-hmm. um, as ones that we're doing the research on right now to actually start building and have operational um, before the end of this decade, which is really great news. Okay. But there's also a number of other corridors that will eventually be built out as part of this program, including to the airport in Easton, potentially improving what we've already done um, with CMAX going northeast uh, to Polaris, uh, up the High Street corridor. Not sure how that one will work out. Um, <laughs> and then, and then uh, southeast towards Rickenbacker. So really looking at a comprehensive system. Address that point of like, I don't know how that would work out. There's not enough real estate in terms of the the width of the road to make that easy to implement. You're right on. Um, decisions were made and, and not necessarily bad decisions, just um, decisions as part of the build out of the high street streetscape a few uh-huh. years ago, as we all might have remembered. Um, so that took away... And a good thing, it took away some of the pavement and gave right. it to pedestrians. So yeah. that's really great. High Street is a fantastic pedestrian street. My husband owns a business at Second and High. Mm-hmm. I love walking around and biking around and taking the bus in the short north. But um, that stretch of High Street is is now at a size that it really can't accommodate a dedicated right of way for transit. Right. So High Street is is a difficult. Thing. How how are we going to address that corridor? That may mean um, may mean running up third and fourth. Right. Um, it might mean I don't know what it might mean. But, right. Uh, that 
it, that because of the width of that, it is harder to accommodate for sure. Gotcha. And so the work, uh, I'm just translating back sort of what we've Please. talked about up to this point, the work of Link Us is hearing those studies that have been commissioned and sort of saying, yes, this is this sounds like uh, a reasoned approach to how to solve the transit issues that we have. And then we were talking right before the recording, you guys actually have a steering committee meeting that will look into or hear recommendations based on funding of like, how does this get paid for? Yeah, so we've been talking about funding because this stuff is not cheap. Even BRT, which is not as expensive as light rail is still not cheap. So we got to find out, find a way to pay for it. Now the federal government will pay for a lot of it, but we still have to have a local match. Okay. So um, the link us a leadership coalition, which again is being led by, um, by the city and CODA and Morpsey has been studying this and been presenting this to um, the committee that I'm serving on. Mm hmm part of the link us leadership coalition. Gotcha. Um, and you know, ultimately, uh, this has not been presented to us, but, um, transit Columbus has been talking about the fact that we will need a ballot measure to pay for a high capacity transit. Mm-hmm. That is more than likely an outcome of this process. Um, I don't know cause the meeting is tonight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have to find a way to pay for it. The way that we currently pay for transit is that we've had ballot measures in the past that um, are really code of ballot measures mm-hmm. and they are are passed by the public to in order to pay for. Um, so we currently have half a cent sales tax that pays for this. And that was through two different um, ballot measures. Okay. Uh, so we're going to need more money. I mean, that's, that's, that's the end all be all. I, I know that there are also, if you look at the link us plans, um, you know, it's not just about building, the BRT line. So like the Northwest corridor is a great example. You can look through the plans on the website. Um, this is really about a system, right? It's okay. about the a, a transit system, but also a system to connect to the BRT line. So you have a whole network of uh, protected bike lanes or shared use paths. Okay. So that, uh, you know, I have a friend that I talk to regularly that lives in North Clintonville, and this would be near a BRT stop uh, at like Henderson and Olentangy River Road, which right now is sort of a no man's land, right? Yeah. But um, if you build if you build that BRT line, you can build shared use paths so that he can bike there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he has a five minute bike ride to the BRT that he can take then, you know, in 10 minutes to OSU or in like 15 minutes to a crew game or to downtown or to work, whatever. Um, so that's really what it is. It's about building a network. It's not just about building that. So some of the some of the funding, you know, may go to pay for improvements like um, like shared use paths and protected bike lanes and sidewalks, uh, which are really you know a huge piece and important to this overall uh, new system that we're looking at. And so that's the pitch, right? The pick because you got to get a majority of voters to approve it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the pitch is it's not just we're going to implement this BRT system, but that it's a holistic approach to transit in Columbus. Because if you say to somebody like, hey, I want to increase your sales taxes and it's for drastic improvements to the bus system. Oh, yeah, it takes away a lane of traffic for you. <laughs> and then you get 
the pushback that it's like, well, I don't use the bus because I don't need to. But the argument should be, but now you can. It is so much more convenient than your current system. And as we, I mean, (laughs) I got stuck in traffic yesterday and I was like, okay, the world's back to normal now that, you know, we have to go places and uh, we're not all just on Zoom calls constantly. And I do think Columbus does a good job of identifying that equity is important, but the the pushback that comes from people a lot of times is that doesn't help me. Why should I care about that? So there's there's so many different ways to look at it. Um, I mean, I think transit has like so many positive benefits. But um, as you're saying, the the various ways you can approach um, selling transit mm-hmm. are a yes, not everybody's going to take it, but we want to give you the option to. Yeah, and we want to give as people as we can give the option to to make it a real option you know i i see people a i see people on reddit all the time or whatever on other line online forums talking about well if the bus was quicker or whatever or more convenient then i would do it and yeah Mm -hmm. well we need to make it more convenient there's there's no other way to get around that but that doesn't mean that everybody's going to ride the bus you know it's also about just creating the opportunity to ride the bus if you want to but also, uh, you know, making sure that we're not adding additional people to the roads. Um, you know, our region is growing by, you know, another million people um, by 2050. You know, that is uh, hopefully within our lifetimes. <laughs> um, and so we have to address how those people and we have to address how they're going to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of building out Link Us is creating the opportunities um, to build a more dense walkable neighborhoods Mm -hmm. so that we can accommodate those people and so that those those folks don't have to go you know build a new house on a green field out in the middle of nowhere because that's the only place that is available to them you know we we really have to accommodate more of those people um, for environmental reasons and for you know lifestyle reasons uh within the urban core but we can't do that if we don't have good transit so that's part of it but there is a huge equity piece to this too that is part of the factors in looking at what, uh, you know, the routes that Coda and the city were looking at. So they like equity was at the top of the list of the things that they were using to evaluate where the transit should go and, you know, how it, how it should be implemented. And so I think that it was, um, that, that is just totally core. If you read all the documents, like that was the thing that they were looking at. And so, you know, that's part of why the East-West Corridor was chosen. Um, but we have to remember, too, you know, when we're talking about equity, people are, are traveling all over the city. So you're mm-hmm. not just going from, uh, you know, just because it serves an, a neighborhood and is providing that, that equity piece, it still needs to connect to the places where people go to work. So that's right. why the Northwest Corridor is so much more so important. Because if you really think about Ohio State, um, Riverside Hospital, all the things, uh, and downtown, all these these jobs up and down that corridor. That's a really key piece that we need to connect to. Is uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are going to Ohio State, whether it's the hospital or students or employees. Um, that's a huge job center. Downtown uh, is still a huge job center, even you know, with 
with everything that's happened during COVID, it's still the key, the key job center in the region. So we need to connect to these places. Absolutely. Is there any contention in this? Is it, I mean, everybody that's sort of there is an advocate and wants to see these things happen. I don't imagine that people are coming to you with these commission studies and you're saying like, well, that won't work. The only pushback I've heard about Link Us is that folks would like to see mm -hmm. light rail. Right. And I would too. <laughs> um, but I am also aware enough to know that we need to do this and we need to do it now. We cannot wait. This is really, and, and I'm not saying that to be dire. I'm saying that because our region is adding, you know, we added like over 100,000 people in the last uh, 10 years. We're going to add a million more, especially with things like Intel. And I really think, mm -hmm. you know, with, with everything going on in the world, Columbus is really well positioned. We're going to grow and we're going to grow rapidly. And we're going to have the problems of cities like Atlanta and Austin and some of these other places in uh, Nashville mm -hmm. that have absolutely not planned for their growth at all. And they're having to go back in and spend all this money and hear all the complaints of all the traffic and and just having affordability issues like we have to do it now. So I'm not hearing any pushback except for we should be more aggressive. Right. Um, and I think the public's there. Do I think the public was there 10 years ago? Because I've been involved in this in Transit Columbus basically since it started. I'm not sure that the public was there 10 years ago. I think they, you know, but I think now I, I just, it seems like everybody gets it, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to say that, you know, we're going to pass a ballot measure with a hundred percent support, but I feel very confident um, because almost anybody that I talk to understands it. Even if you don't take transit, you understand the need for it. And you understand that our region is not going to be world-class until we have a high quality transit system. And so, and it's funny because so many people, you know, are moving to Columbus and I'm sure you talk just like me, you, you run into people, you talk to them, they move from Chicago or mm -hmm. New York or wherever. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I love Columbus, but the transit, boo. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. I'm not saying Coda doesn't do a good job. They do. But we have to, as a region, support them and help them grow into a really world-class uh, transit system, not just, not just buses, but buses that have their own, you know, buses that are trains is what we're really talking about here. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's what we need. And has any, has there been any sort of public opinion research done on where this is going to go? <laughs> I mean, what happened the last time we tried to get light rail, that it was a ballot initiative and it spectacularly failed. With the, uh, with the support so that, of all of our city leaders, and it was just like, nope. There's been several initiatives. Oh, okay. A little his, history P lesson Please, give, it, give the history so, lesson of why, why and, we're here. I am from Plain City, so I was here for this, but um, not to give away my age, but I was, I guess, probably 10 years old when this happened, so okay. I don't really, I was not, as much as I love transit now, I was not paying that close attention to it then, so... Uh, in 99, there was um, actually two ballot measures. It had been broken in, into two ballot measures, one of which was paying was a, a uh, sales tax paying for CODA's operations, uh -huh. and one of which was a sales tax that would have helped build out a light rail system. Okay. Well, the operations one passed, and the other one didn't. And okay. it wasn't uh, it wasn't like 
by a large measure, it was, you know, we were really close, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then fast forward a few years later, and Coda is really um, in somewhat of a financial crisis. Uh, You know, the the beginning of the 2000s were not a great time for anyone Mm -hmm. (laughs) for for recession and, you know, 9-11 and all that. So they were in dire financial straits. And I believe in 06, they passed a permanent sales tax measure that like really solidified their finances. They got their house in order. Yes, Mayor Coleman um, pushed in 08, perhaps the worst timing possible. Uh, The streetcar. The streetcar, yes. Had we not been, again, in the midst of a global recession, uh, we might have, you know, a train running up and down High Street today. But... It was not to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also had the 3C rail, which was so we had $400 million in funding from the federal government that was rejected by the Kasich administration Mm -hmm. um, in 2010. So so there was like this series of failures and we could have been much further than we are now. But I don't think any of them were except for, you know, the actual ballot measure that failed in 99. Yeah. were real rejections. Um, and so your question was actually about polling. Um, and <laughs> well, uh, the history uh, and the context is important here, right? Yeah. But there, there has not been polling. That's something my organization has been wanting to do. Um, at least none that has been public, mm-hmm. but I would say the best public polling that we have is in 2016, you know, a year, that Donald Trump won the White House. Mm-hmm. The code of ba- ballot measure that was up for a vote that year, it was a renewal. It passed with 71% of the vote. 71%. That is, if, you know, and that's like actual votes. That isn't just a poll. Right. So I think there's support for CODA. I, I think, people, you know, that I, I think that kind of says it to me, even though I don't have the actual polling on what it would look like you know, today. No, right. I yeah. will say, you know, you, you look back at the history of what's happened and I wonder if now is the appropriate time given that, sorry, you make an excellent argument for why now is the right time, but from a, can we get it done standpoint, we're experiencing a lot of growing pains at the moment as a country. Columbus seems to not have experienced as much of it. But with, you know, the housing prices going up, the cost of gas, is this the right t- Like, do you do, what's the timeline for trying to implement this? Would this be something on the ballot in 2023? Can you do it faster than that? My personal opinion is, and I think will happen, it will be on the ballot in 2022. Wow. It will be on the ballot this November. CODA has the ability to put a levy on the ballot um, anytime. Uh, their board just has to vote on it. It's It's like state law that they are allowed to do this. Um, I think they they can put it on the ballot as late as August. So there is time. Um, You know, if you look at link, uh, like, uh, there's actually a a chart, if you go into the the final link us um, East West corridor study, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, if we get the money, you know, if we get the money from the federal government, and if we have additional funds um, from local funding, this will be operational by 2027. Okay. You know? I mean, that's a long time, but also that's not that long. <laughs> well, in terms of infrastructure, that's fast. 
Right. Unfortunately, yeah, infrastructure takes a long time to plan for and build. And these this is something that's really going to like positively impact, but it's really going to impact our neighborhoods. It's going to impact the street. It's going to impact the way things look. Um, so, yeah, it takes time, um, but it's something that we can have in place relatively quickly uh, that will, you know, I like the Intel thing makes me excited and it scares me okay. because we just don't really have the infrastructure to support a rapid growth. I mean, you look at what has happened in, again, in Nashville or Austin or some of these other places, and they just have so many issues, you know, that we have the opportunity. We're sort of at that inflection point where we can address it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we're going to have to one way or the other, but it's much easier to do it ahead of time than it is to retrofit. And so, yeah, I think we're at the appropriate point to do that. And I will tell you, it's not going to be a secret after I tell you, but uh, I went to a conference uh, a couple years ago uh, it's through an organization called Transit Center. Okay. And they um, they showed an image or a, you know, a slide of the rate at which ballot measures pass for transit. Uh, and it's really, it has to do with turnout. If turnout is above 45%, the transit ballot measures almost always pass. Okay. Uh, and, and, and the best time to put them on the ballot is when a lot of people are going to go vote because people generally support these things. Now, if you make it just about that, if you have an election and it's only a transit ballot measure, then you get, you know, folks that are against additional taxes or don't like something about the plan. Um, but, you know, ultimately, if more people are going to go out and vote, it's going to pass because people generally support this. If I stop somebody on the street and say, do you want a better transit system? You know, and you're going to pay a little bit for it. Uh, of course, I do. Say yes. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Even if you're not going to use it, you know, that's the thing. You want it for the region, not just for me. And so you wouldn't want to wait until 23 to put it on the ballot is what you're saying. And I don't think we have the time. Well, yeah, I don't think it's an appropriate election strategy. But I also think that we just don't have the time to wait. Like we need to do this stuff now. Mm -hmm. And again, we only have a certain, you know, there's only a certain opportunity to capture that. What Intel is going to be open in in 2024, I think, or 2025, they said, you know, if we Uh wait until then, we will already have missed the vote. And I, again, it's not just about Intel, but I think that's a harbinger of the growth that is that is going to come. That's already happening. I mean, housing prices are just absolutely outrageous, even though we're not bad compared to other places. Because right. We're starting from a lower place. But, you know, I own a home and I see like I get calls every single day. Uh, of people trying to buy it. I get, you know, you look at Zillow or whatever, and it's like, this is just outrageous prices. And if we don't address it with the, with transit and, you know, affordable housing and more density, we're not, there's, we're just going to have more problems. And, and, and then you take away the things that make our region great, which is that it's an affordable place that's easy to get around. You know, what happens when that goes away? Then it, that's, that's not something I think any of us want you know we want to address this oh and by the way we want a better lifestyle opportunities to bike and walk and take the bus and we also want um you know we want uh, better neighborhoods that are that have more businesses and we want to help the environment and you know help prevent climate change and all these things <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yay they're all answered i solved the issue right but it's never that easy exactly so setting link us aside we can't do the omnibus of of transit, but there is movement on us being a uh, getting Amtrak basically 
getting what yes. we were promised during the Kasich administration. Yes, I already mentioned it. So now I have to remember it, even though it makes me angry. So it is definitely in the cards that we have the possibility of getting Amtrak service. We don't fully know what that looks like. There is a lot of talk about 3C plus D. So this is um, a, a train line that would run from uh, Cleveland to Columbus, Dayton and Cincinnati, mm-hmm. along with some other stops in smaller cities in between. Um, this is the same, more or less the same proposal that was that was almost built in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, Amtrak really wants to do it. They keep talking about it. Uh, we don't know exactly what that looks like. Our state legislature um, is not uh, exceedingly supportive of transit in general and certainly not of 3CD, although there are some folks that do support it, mm-hmm. particularly the communities, the rural communities along the path that could see the benefit for them. So it's a possibility. It, it's also possible that if the state doesn't support it, that there are other ways to uh, pay for and um, you know receive the grants from the federal government that can can build it. So there's a possibility of local governments and or regional governments like Morpsey or um, others that could help receive that funding mm-hmm. and actually build out the service. Um, you know, I'm not a, a full policy expert, so I don't have all the answers, but. Um, I think it's certainly possible, and I think that we have to voice, as people that live in Columbus, Mm -hmm. we are the second largest city without Amtrak service in the country, second to Phoenix. We're the largest service with largest city without any type of rail, um, because Phoenix has light rail. Right. Uh, So I think that we are, you know, we're primed for it. And think about like how. I don't know about you, but I I end up traveling to Cleveland or Cincinnati, whether it's for pleasure or for work or whatever it is frequently. I know that many other folks do as well. And even if the train is not as fast as driving, which um, it very well may be, Mm -hmm. but even if it's not, that's productive time that I have. That's a much more... um, happy (laughs) scenario than driving on 71, which is never a happy scenario. I never like get out of my car in Cleveland and think that was great. What a pleasant drive that was was today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. The Lodi outlet mall. This is wonderful. You know, like, no. Um, And, and I take, actually, I frequently take the bus to Cleveland, take Hmm. Greyhound. I think that that service should be improved um, whether we get a train or not. We need to have better connections all over the state. Um, but but Amtrak is a possibility. And if you look at, so the Franklin County uh, Convention Facility Authority mm-hmm. um, has already done a study on what the station would look like in Columbus. Yes. Um, and it's beautiful. Sorry, it would take away a Starbucks in the, uh, the high hit. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a small uh, price to pay, Josh. <laughs> I, you know, I love coffee, but I would say goodbye to Starbucks for Amtrak. And oh, by the way, build a one line in the train station. I would be much happier with that. Um, so uh, anyway, it it would be beautiful. It would be right on High Street, you know, right next to uh, transit service that would connect people within Columbus. Yep. So, you know, it's it's uh, it has the possibility of happening. You're going to see more advocacy on 
from our organization and I think from others around the state, mm -hmm. um, because it's not just that there, you know, there's, this is, uh, this is the most money that Amtrak has ever been given. I mean, actually it's like not even comparable to anything that they have ever had the opportunity to do in the past. Hmm. They have been on life support since they were started in the seventies, since they started up in 71. Um, so this is really like, we're on the precipice of actually building out, um, maybe not a, a French or Spanish or, Japanese style train system, mm -hmm. but certainly improving Amtrak to like an acceptable level around the country. And so I think, you know, Ohio is actually like a really awesome place for Amtrak service. We have a bunch of cities. They're all relatively close. Mm -hmm. um, Amtrak sees it because they keep talking about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I was actually in a Washington Post article uh, last year being interviewed about this and um, and Amtrak is like, we want to be in, we want to be in Ohio. Uh, we want you in Ohio, Amtrak, please come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even, even if our state legislature says no, like, please come. Yeah. Uh, make it happen for us because the people here want it. Um, our legislature isn't necessarily reflective of our state as we've seen um, in the things that have been happening over the past couple of months. Uh-huh. Uh, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a real possibility and I will be like the first person I will absolutely do whatever I can to be on the first train when it leaves Columbus <laughs> since first train, since I think 1977. Yeah, there's, I mean, there certainly is a lot. The good thing is, is that there's an opportunity, as you said, for, to take a different, <laughs> there's so many travel metaphors, oh, take a different so route to make it happen even if the state legislature doesn't want it to happen that you get a coalition of semi-governmental entities to say we will accept this this grant money in order to build up the infrastructure for this thing to happen and uh one thing that i'll add about it governor Kasich rejected the money mm -hmm. governor dewine has said nothing and i call that a victory <laughs> because I don't need full-fledged support, but I just need n not full-fledged opposition. Just let it so, happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to kill it. Great. That's all I need, you know, because there are plenty of people that support it. But uh, if we can just... I, and this, unfortunately, it tends to be like a, a you know, political thing, Republican versus Democrat thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't have to be, and it's not everywhere. So... Like Michigan has been really good about investing in Amtrak. Uh, they took part of our money and they had a Republican governor when they did that. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, it, because it's not about like, it's, it's not about a political thing. It's just about connecting our communities better. And really, again, with Intel, I think this and, and the kind of um, ecosystem that will grow up with that tech cluster you know, it would be great if people in Mansfield where this train will run or in Springfield or Dayton, for that matter, have an opportunity to connect better to a place that is really growing and has a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. We don't I don't need everybody that is going to work at all these places to live in Columbus, like happily live in Dayton and take the train to work every day, mm -hmm. you know, for a, a 45 minute ride or whatever um, and and come to work and isn't that great for our state that we're giving people more accessibility? Um, because driving is expensive. I mean, I don't have, 
I have an electric car. Mm -hmm. So there's been a meme going around um, from Arrested Development that's like, how much was gas before? $10? I have no idea. <laughs> I have an electric car and I take the bus and I have an e-bike. So I don't I don't ever use uh, the use gas, but I know it's expensive mm -hmm. and it really sucks. And I did have a an ICE, as we call them in the EV world, an internal combustion engine car before. Um, and, and so even if like it's not like you're going to people are going to get rid of their cars necessarily, but they will have an option to, yes. to do something else. When gas prices are four dollars a gallon, you can, you know, ride your bike, take the bus, take Amtrak from Mansfield or whatever to your job. Like that's the kind of system that we want. That's yeah. the kind of system that exists elsewhere, even in elsewhere in the U.S. So uh, I think people just need to buy into the vision and understand that we're not like trying to change everything. We're just trying to add more opportunity and options. Absolutely. I wrap up these interviews by asking two questions. One is, what do you think Columbus is doing well? And I'm going to assume the answer to the second one. What do you think Columbus is not doing so well? And maybe if you want to take it outside of transit, because we've talked so much about here are the things that we're trying to do, and but maybe from a higher level approach. Yes. So what Columbus does well is when Columbus sets its mind on doing something mm -hmm. like the leadership, the people, it gets done and it gets done quickly and well. So I think about like uh, the Scioto Mile and mm. like Scioto Greenway. That was a horrible area before. I mean, like the river was yeah. just gross. And um, and when like whoever the the decision makers and the planners and everyone like decided, hey, we're going to do this. They went and found the money. And they were like, we're doing it. Right. And look at it today. You, you go down there. I live, you know, in Old Town East. So I go down there often. Absolutely full of people. A lot and diverse. Like one of the best places in Columbus to just be like with amongst people that actually interact with each other, aren't like in their own bubble. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, so I, I absolutely love that. You'll hear all languages. You see all types of people. And it's really one of the few places in Columbus that I think is a really gathering spot so i love that in particular but i i think that's a reflection of when we as a community decide we're going to do something we are like we're doing it and we're going to do it well so yeah we should do that for transit of course that's my plug there um what don't we do well i think sometimes we have a tendency in columbus to like think we're special but in almost a bad way hmm. like well i used to hear this about transit like well, you know, we're different. We're like, we're not like all those other cities. Actually, we are. We are, we're, we're like every other city. Just do, do it well. You know, look at what's working in other places and we don't have to replicate it. We can put our own spin on it, but like, don't think we're that different because we're not. We're in American city. We're probably one of the most American cities. Mm -hmm. So let's not, um, let's not let uh, us thinking that we're special uh like detract from doing doing the things that sometimes are hard mm -hmm. um but that other people are doing because i see things happening like i travel for work i i see great bike lanes other places and i think we need to do that and then i hear oh well we can't do this for this and this and this. no if they can do it elsewhere we can do it here we're not special yeah 
Josh, thank you for your time. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Tim. This was great. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite transit advocate. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. Thank you.